You're listening to the PMO Strategies Podcast, where PMO leaders become impact drivers. This is episode 192. Well, hey there, Impact Driver. Welcome to the PMO Strategies Podcast. I am your host, Laura Bernard. Today, we're going to talk about stakeholders, when and how to engage them, specifically when you are going through the process of building a first PMO or you're trying to elevate your existing PMO and you know that you need to get input from your stakeholders on their pain points and what challenges they have to make sure you're putting the right solutions in place, right? You do know you have to do that, right? You can't just go in and tell them the medicine they need to take and expect that to work. It won't. And if you're doing that, that's why that's not working. So today we're going to talk about when and how you need to engage your stakeholders to get input into your assessment process and determining what pain points you should address. And some mistakes PMO leaders are making when they go through this process of engaging stakeholders because they're just doing it completely the wrong way or they just don't quite understand what that process should look like. So if you're building a PMO, trying to elevate your PMO, and definitely if you're trying to rescue a PMO and get it back on track, we're going to look at how and when to properly engage your stakeholders in that assessment process. Before we dive in, this episode is sponsored by our game-changing steps to a high-impact PMO. If you are building a PMO, running a PMO, need to rescue a PMO, I'd suggest you start there. Our step-by-step process gives you an overview of what we do with our Impact Engine system and a good sense of the stages you need to go through to build a PMO effectively or to elevate your existing PMO. And in there, you'll probably find some things that will surprise you and explain why it has seemed so tough so far. So just go to pmostrategies.com forward slash PMO and you can sign up for my free one hour training to walk you through our step-by-step process and help you understand why it works so well, the steps you might be missing, and yes, we dive deeper on stakeholder engagement in there as well, and what you will need to do if you want to be successful in this PMO journey. So just go to pmostrategies.com forward slash PMO and join us for one of our upcoming free training sessions. Or you can even watch a replay of our most recent session so that you don't have to wait and you can get started right now this minute. Okay, but after you listen to this episode. So go to pmostrategies.com forward slash PMO. I'll see you there. Okay, let's dive in. Now I get this question all the time. When and how do I engage my stakeholders in the process of setting up my PMO or figuring out what services I should deliver with my PMO? And in our impact engine system, we have a whole stage dedicated to the assessment process for good reason. There's actually a lot more to do there than most people realize. And that's why our students and participants in our programs don't hit the change resistance roadblocks that so many people hit. We show them how to avoid it. So what happens is many of you are trying to engage your stakeholders because you've been listening to the podcast and you know it's important to ask your stakeholders what their pain points are and what business problems you need to solve. But the next question you're going to have is, okay, when and how much? Because you might be looking at a list of 50 or 60 stakeholders that you want to talk to, to be thorough and to do this right. And you're wondering, how in the world am I going to ever get through that process and actually start showing any value? That can feel extremely overwhelming. 
because that's a lot of people. That's a lot of meetings. Just the scheduling alone is a full-time job, not to mention actually holding all of these meetings. Of course, of course, that's a lot. And here's the secret. You don't actually meet with 40, 50, 60 people all at once. The key is getting started. What happens is when PMO leaders understand, and thank goodness you do, that you absolutely must engage with your stakeholders early and often, that doesn't mean that you make it a full-time job. But what you're doing is you're planting the seeds of strong business relationships, getting that early feedback and input onto the most important challenges that you must address first, second, and third, and then you keep going. So in our Impact Engine system, we teach our students and our participants in our program how to go through the process of an entire cycle of building that strong foundation, that first level PMO in 90 days. And the reason we're able to do that is because we use what we call iterating your way to impact. You don't have to talk to 50 people before you start solving problems. What you do is you start talking to the most important people that you need to talk to, the most important stakeholders or representatives from those most important groups first. And you get some input, some feedback and start answering some of the questions that you need to answer and then you move on. Now, what we teach our students to do is in the assessment stage, they start with an understanding that important stakeholder relationship building must happen early. And so they identify those key stakeholders and we teach them to start with the executives because by the way, they're writing the check, they're paying for you, they're paying for your resources, they're the ones deciding whether or not you get money or not, and they're probably the ones that hired you or nominated you for this role or threw it at you and said, here, you look like you can handle this like it happened to me the first time I did it in 1999, right? So no matter how you got there, the people that put you there are usually the executives. Even if you quote unquote sold them on the idea, that's a whole nother episode as to why you shouldn't be selling or convincing or getting their buy-in for your ideas anyway. We'll come back to that in another episode. So you start with your executives and you have a set of questions you need to ask them that unlock what their pain points are, the business challenges you're trying to solve. And then you use that as the starting point. One, you're building a strong relationship with the most important people in your organization, the check writers, the executives, right? And then two, once you've had those conversations, you'll have a sense as to what the priorities need to be. But then after you do the rest of your assessment work, and like I mentioned, it's a whole stage in our program, all the change management assessments, all the assessments around where the challenges are, assessing your current state PMO, assessing your readiness to run this whole thing, assessing your team if you have one, and all of those steps, once you've done all those things, including a SWOT analysis, a strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats analysis against your existing PMO, then you need to come back to those executives who are the decision makers and put them in a position where they have to decide which thing you work on first. And this isn't where you bring solutions to them. This is where you bring their pain points back to them. Now, what our students learn is that then when they go into stage three, they do root cause analysis to actually determine the root causes of the symptoms that they're experiencing. Because that's right, what your executives and other stakeholders tell you is actually going to be symptoms that represent the root causes that are really causing those symptoms, but they're not actually the root causes. Most executives don't actually understand, for example, that they're part of the problem. Most executives and other stakeholders don't understand that what they see 
is usually a symptom of an underlying problem. So you'll have to get to that root cause before you start solving things. But you don't do any of that until you have that stakeholder buy-in. But the way you get that stakeholder buy-in isn't by telling them the solution they need, isn't by pushing, selling, convincing, cajoling, bribing, or anything else. It's by simply asking them. And not asking them for a solution. That is a huge mistake you don't want to make. You never ask your executives or frankly anyone else in the organization what the PMO should do. You know why? Because they don't know. And if you're new to the role, you don't know either. So you can't say, what should the PMO do? Nobody knows. <laughs> and, and if you let them tell you what it should do, you're going to end up with it doing a lot of things it probably shouldn't do. And you'll be running around hurriedly addressing symptoms and then watching things explode left and right in front of you because you're just putting a band-aid on a symptom instead of addressing that geyser root cause underneath this temporary band-aid. So what we have to do is we have to go talk to our stakeholders, starting with executives, and ask a few simple questions about the pain point they're experiencing, the challenges they're experiencing, and we do not ask them to help us solve it. Not yet. We ask them to identify the problems and we tell them we're going to come back to them to discuss solutions after we've done that initial round of assessment. So once you've done that initial assessment with your executives, you can also talk to project managers in the organization. If you have program or portfolio leaders, if you have people on projects now, if you have a team yourself, you can ask any of those people as well. But you don't do it in a one-on-one-on-one-on-one conversation at that point. That's where you start looking at scaling. And that means you get all your project managers together and feed them and provide an opportunity for them to talk about what's challenging them in an hour or hour and a half meeting. Great. You've just gotten 50 different complaints in one hour instead of trying to do 50 different meetings that all take an hour. So you get the summary of that information. Again, what they're probably going to complain about is a lot of symptoms. And you also need to do some assessment yourself. What are you seeing? What are you hearing? What are people saying? And again, we're not at solutions. That's one of the big problems that a lot of PMO leaders face is that one, they don't do this process at all. And therefore they end up with really frustrated stakeholders who don't feel like their voice has been heard, who don't feel like they're part of the solution, who don't feel like their input is being addressed in the solution and you'll end up solving the wrong things. So you just don't do that at all. So you have to have the right conversations with them first. Then once you've had those right conversations, you then pull all that together and start doing root cause analysis. Many of the symptoms you collect from all the people that you talk to will be just that, symptoms. And you cannot address 50 symptoms, but you know what you can address? One or two root causes. And usually the root causes are things that go back to the executives in one way, shape or form. Usually, it's not that people are terrible at project management. That's a symptom. It's not actually the root cause. The reason project managers might be struggling is because they have 643 projects to do. And the reason that they can't get those projects done is not only that they're spread so thinly, but everybody working on those projects has 55 projects to do in a single day. And so there's the problems that you're hearing people complain about. But you know what? None of those are root causes. There's nothing wrong with those poor project managers. You put smart people in a room together, they're going to figure out how to solve problems. They're going to figure out how to get it done. Problem is you can't get these people in a room together because they're being spread so thinly. So where does that problem actually exist? With the executives. Because the executives are the ones that saying everything is the number one priority. You see what I mean here? So that's why we have to start with them. And that helps us really limit our focus in 
an assessment stage in like a first cycle, for example, to get to the most pressing pain points, because usually the executives are going to be complaining about it because usually they're seeing these symptoms pop up all over the place and make their lives more difficult. What they don't know is that they are usually the problem. That's right. I said it. I'll say it even louder. They are usually the problem. And that's why you have to start with them. And that's why you have to start with them. And that's why you have to start with them. What I mean is that's why you have to start with them because they need to be a part of the solution that is eventually uncovered for them. And you have to start with them because you need their input into the process and you need them to acknowledge the pain they're experiencing. And then you need to have them as part of the process early because you have to build relationships with them so that when you come back to them and say, hey, So you know how whenever we ask, you say everything's the number one priority? Let me tell you what's happening as a result. And then you have to show them the implications of their decisions or lack thereof. The fact that they're not making decisions is a problem. The fact that they're saying everything is the number one priority is because they don't want to make decisions. The fact that everything's the number one priority is why nothing's getting done. But if you spend a lot of time going in and fixing things that appear to be the problem that aren't actually the root cause, you're not going to actually solve anything. And those executives, remember the check writers, are going to look at you and say, you spent six months fixing project management because that's what I told you was broken. Remember, they don't know the solution. They just know their pain point. That's why you can't ask them about solutions because project management probably wasn't the problem. And they're saying, okay, but you didn't solve anything for me. Everything's still broken. So you clearly can't do your job well. You see where this goes? That's the problem. We have to start with the stakeholders that know what the pain is, are in a position to do something about it and that you need on this journey with you to actually solve the problem. That's the beauty of starting with those executives. And in the process of having these conversations, you're building trust and you're building a relationship with them. And then what's really cool is you then bring them back at the end of the assessment process and you say, okay, Now, I've taken all of your inputs. These are the pain points you told me. You feed it back to them in their words. And now that we have those pain points identified, I need your help figuring out where to focus. That's right. You use them to help you prioritize the pain points, not the solutions yet. If you're my program, you know you haven't gotten to stage three yet, so you can't possibly start giving solutions because you haven't identified root causes. You get them to prioritize their pain points. What that does is it teaches them how to prioritize and it helps them see that you're listening, you're paying attention to what matters to them, and you're going to give them what they want. So you keep them supporting you in the process. That's how you get your stakeholder buy-in, by the way. You keep them involved in the process and keep pointing back to what they told you, what was frustrating them, what was challenging them, and what needed to be addressed. And then after you get that prioritization, you know which pain point to solve first, second, and third. And you know what? They're going to try and say, well, all of these are important. And you, knowing better, are going to say, awesome. Then I need 50 people. Can I hire 50 people right now? No? Okay. So then we're going to do these in order of importance. So which of these are most important? Let's do one, two, three, four, ten. Okay, great. So we've got 10 pain points that we need to address in priority order now. Awesome. And this is where the magic happens. As you go do root cause analysis and you uncover things like lack of transparency, lack of accountability, nobody's making progress, projects are taking too long, costing too much, and on and on and on, those 10 priorities that they went through with you, guess what? 
most of them are going to go back to a solution that you're going to have to bring to them to say, you know what we need is portfolio management and prioritization. That's right. We're going to have to do this. And here's why. And here's what happens if we take no action and continue down the path we're going down. All of that is the conversation that you need to have with them to keep them engaged, keep them understanding that their pain points are actually their fault and that you need to put a better solution in place if they want that pain to go away. So you're going to show them the cost of inaction, not doing anything to solve the problem. You're going to talk to them about how what they're seeing is actually a symptom of an underlying root cause. You're going to show them specifically what their actions and decisions or lack thereof have done to create these problems. And then from there, you can start helping them solve problems. Here's the thing that some of you might be thinking right now, though. Yeah, but I can't talk to my executives that way. I can't tell them that they're the problem. You don't tell them that they're the problem. You show them they're the problem. There's a big difference. You give them irrefutable evidence that their decisions or lack thereof are directly affecting the way that people are or are not able to deliver. For example, there's no way that your subject matter expert that has 65 projects on their plate is effective at all. You can have a conversation with that subject matter expert and have them talk to you about how they're task switching based on the squeakiest wheel and they're not really clear on what the most important things are so they work on whatever they want to work on or whoever's yelling the loudest. And then you can talk about the implications of that and you can talk about how your executives didn't show up for meetings or it's taking three weeks to make a decision and therefore that project is behind by three weeks because that decision is on the critical path. You get the idea. You just have to show them. And here's the cool thing about doing this. If you do this in the right way, and that's what we teach our coaching students to do in the Impact Accelerator Mastermind, you're going to get your seat at the table because you're telling them the things that they need to hear in a way that they can hear them. And when you do, most executives, I mean, ones that are worth being in the role that they're in, are going to value what you've told them. Because most people are afraid to talk to the executives. Most people are afraid to tell the executives that they're the problem. And because most people are afraid to do that, That's why we have these barriers between executives and the people like you that are trying to do this work. You see, executives aren't afraid to tell other executives that there's an issue. That's part of what having a seat at the table means. It means that you're not afraid to have the tough conversations. And so if you want to be treated like you belong at the table, you need to act like you belong at the table. And that means you need to be brave enough to put the information in front of them that shows absolutely without a doubt that there are implications to their actions. And you have to do so in a professional way that commands respect. And that doesn't mean you're pushy, bossy, finger pointing, or any of that. It simply means that you're able to show them what they can't see. When you can show an executive something that they can't see themselves, you become incredibly valuable to them because you have information they didn't have. You make them smarter. You make them more aware. You help them see the path to the future. And that's your role. PMO leaders are responsible for helping the organization deliver on its strategy with the highest possible return on investment as quickly as possible. That's your job. And the reason there's a gap between many PMO leaders and the executives is that they're not taking their seat at the table. They're continuing to be fearful of the executives instead of treating them like an equal. And so that's the secret here is helping the executives understand where the underlying root cause problems are and then solving that. 
Once you fix that, you're not going to have a problem with stakeholders not wanting to engage with you because you've done it right. You'll earn their respect by being someone that they can respect. I'll dive deeper into this whole concept of taking a seat at the table and how to do that in a future episode. So for now, you have what you need. You know where to start. It's with the executives. And that makes it a lot less overwhelming. It might be easier and less scary to just talk to the project managers or to think you know what they need. And so you just start fixing the symptoms that you see right away. But it will be less fruitful than doing the right first work to engage the right people. And that's why you can do it quickly. You don't have to talk to 50 different people. You talk to a handful of executives. You talk to the people that hired you. You talk to the people that are screaming the loudest in the executive pool. You talk to the key people that are going to have the biggest influence on your success or failure. And then once you've had those key conversations, you keep going. You get them to do that prioritization and then you get them to stay engaged when you present that root cause and the solution and then through to the implementation and they see results faster. Now, while you're doing all of that, you can still continue to have conversations with other stakeholders. You can get all the project managers together in one meeting. You can talk to your team members. You can talk to your peers. You can talk to whoever is willing to talk to you. You just don't need to do it in a couple of weeks. You don't need to do it immediately. Stakeholder engagement is not a one-time thing. You don't just engage stakeholders when you're doing your initial interviews to figure out what your PMO should do. You don't just engage stakeholders at the beginning of the process. Stakeholder engagement is relationship building. You should be constantly building relationships in your organization with everyone at every level so that you can gain insights, build trust, and start the right conversations that are going to help you unlock those root causes over time. Because once you implement the first thing, you know what's going to happen. They're going to be begging for a hundred other things, right? That's the good news. But that's going to mean that you've got to be ready and prepared to keep iterating your way to impact, keep predicting the future and knowing what problem you're going to need to solve next and start solving it. That's where your magic comes in. And you can only do that if you take engaging your stakeholders very seriously and doing it in the right way over time, because it's not stakeholder engagement. It's building relationships with humans and building relationships with humans is an ongoing process, but that is where your success will be. So don't get caught up in thinking that you must talk to every person possible to assess all their pain points and go on a nine month journey of having conversations without producing any value. You want to have the most critical conversations first, take them on the journey with you, and then you keep having conversations as you keep moving through your cycles of value delivery. You'll have plenty of more opportunities to deliver more value if, and only if, you show value quickly in that first cycle. And that's why you have to keep it short, clear, focused, and on the most important conversations first, and then you continue to have other conversations for more inputs for other things you'll need to fix in coming cycles. Okay, Impact Driver, I've given you tons of ideas and ways that you can start this process of having the right conversations with the right people. And I highly encourage you check out our game-changing steps to a high-impact PMO so that you can see where everything we talked about today fits into the bigger picture of how to build or elevate a PMO, when and how to assess those stakeholders, what that assessment process looks like, 
I've got more for you in that free training. So just go to pmostrategies.com forward slash PMO. Check out that free training now and you'll have a much clearer picture of where all of this fits into the whole life cycle of continuous value delivery your PMO should be creating. Just go to pmostrategies.com forward slash PMO. That's it for this episode. If you love this episode, make sure to leave a rating and review so others can find it and know the high impact content that I have been creating for you for years. And make sure you hit subscribe and download these episodes so that they are where you are, wherever that is on this high impact journey. Bye-bye for now.